you know, I met with Sheeds in, in Perth, um, you know, late in the year, and um, it might have even been after the, the Premiership, and, and um, me and my dad were, were sitting there having a coffee with him, and he basically, we, we sat and chatted for an hour, and then after it he said, well, we're not going to pick you, good luck, <laughs> and, walked, and walked out, and I walked out, and Dad said, well, Hopefully there's a team you know, later on in the draft that'll pick you and... Even you know. by Sheeds' standard, that is strange though. Yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs>
in the waffle and go on to win a Lark medal. So you came on pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, that, those two years, I, it, it all sort of clicked, I suppose. I mean, I think I had a bit of a growth spurt and then I just sort of started to find my feet. And, and yeah, it, those two years sort of catapulted me into being drafted. I, you know, at the age of 15 or 16, I never thought that that'd be possible. All I wanted to do was play for West Perth back in the day, which was the, the club I was zoned to. And um, yeah, it so happened. I played a couple of OK games in the State 18s and got a Lark medal, which Adam Cooney, probably stiff. I, I played with Coons and he tore us a new asshole. So, and he tore the you know comp to shreds and he was always going to be the number one pick, but, but I managed to pip him in the Lark medal. But um, yeah, it sort of you know snowballed pretty quickly for me. So that was 2003. You played five games for West Perth, including yeah. a premiership, and you had that magnificent carnival where you won the Lark medal. So... Did it almost change overnight thinking, oh, I love my footy, I want to play for West Perth, to hang on a sec, all of a sudden I'm now a top, top draft prospect? It, it never really hit me, to be honest. I must have had my head in the sand and it, there probably wasn't that much social media yep. around it. And um, Yeah, I was just a kid that wanted to you know, play well and, and play well for West Perth and, and then you know, I was lucky enough to, to play in the league premiership as well. And, and then it wasn't until after that game where it, it, it sort of, yeah, I've People were telling me I was going to get drafted and and then it eventually happened in November. But, but um, yeah, I sort of had my head in the sand and, you know, I just went along, you know, I was a sheet metal worker and went to West Perth training and didn't think much of it. And then all of a sudden I'm flying over to Melbourne and I'm with Essendon. So it was, yeah, it happened pretty quick. What teams did you meet in the lead up to the draft? Uh, most of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was funny because... You know, I met with Sheeds in, in Perth, um, you know, late in the year and um, it might have even been after the, the premiership and, and um, me and my dad were, were sitting there having a coffee with him and he basically, we, sit, we sat and chatted for an hour and then after it he said, well, we're not going to pick you, good luck. <laughs> and, walked, and walked out and I walked out and dad said, well, hopefully there's a team you know, later on in the draft that'll pick you. And, and that was the last I actually heard of, of Essendon and then, and then obviously on the night at the or on the morning, it was 6 a.m. or whatever it was back then, but managed to pick me up. So it was, yeah, it was sort of weird how they sort of work, the AFL clubs, and I don't think it, it's changed too much for, for guys that get drafted these days. I think they still play those sorts of games, but... Even yeah. by Sheeds' standard, that is strange, though. Yes, correct, <laughs> yeah, no. Now, going into that draft, Fremantle had pick 10, West Coast had pick 11. Did you have any idea where you'd be drafted and were you hoping that you'd slide to that 10-11 spot? Yeah, I was desperate to stay home. Um, you know, I, the only way, the, the only time I moved away from home was the state 18s carnival. So, and that was for a week. You played three days in a in a week back then. There was no, you know, managing players through games or anything. They just tossed us into three games in in a week. And um, I, I was a bit nervous about moving away from home and then living away from you know mum and dad and school friends and that sort of thing. And to be honest with you, I probably struggled with it. Um, while I was over in Melbourne. Um, as I said, I, I love my footy and um, it's a massive part of what I do, but also I, I love the app, you know, away from the footy club. And I felt over there it was just footy, 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 and, and um, I didn't get any of that relax, relaxation time. So, um, yeah, and it wasn't until I got to Frio that, that sort of, you know, became a bit normal to me. So I, I probably was hoping to be you know, stay in, stay in one of the two Perth teams, but wasn't to be. Yeah, so you go pick six to Essendon. Now, the Bombers, they've come off the back of that magnificent little error. It's probably like rocking up to a house party at about 1am. It's still good, but the best is in the rearview mirror. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, the, the players 
to this day, I remember walking in and seeing Hurdy in the in the weights room and Scotty Lucas, and then you know you go and sit next to your locker and you got Matthew Lloyd next to you, and I remember my head just spinning, going, you know, a month or two ago, I was watching these guys on TV, um, sort of admiring them and going, wow, it'd be be awesome to sort of sit next to them, and then I was I was living it, so it's um. Yeah, it was sort of an ageing list and, and sort of, you know, when I was there, we didn't win a lot of games. Um, but obviously, the, the, how big the club was and obviously Sheeds was there and, and everyone's known what, what he's done for the footy club and for footy in general. So, um, yeah, to go to that footy club and, and then, you know, you know, rub shoulders with a few of the absolute greats was, was phenomenal. So what was it like? What was James Hurd like initially? Uh, he like welcoming, but sort of he was he was sort of doing his thing, and you know like winning Anzac Day medals and that that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I mean they're all very nice. Dustin Fletcher was, is an absolute champion on and off the field. He he sort of had a hell of a lot of time for me and any youngster that comes through. And you know we we're only chatting before that he's really relaxed yeah. and that sort of thing. And that's probably why he lasted as long as he did. But um, no, they, they they were fantastic to me. Matt Matty Lloyd, obviously I was too sort of seats away from him and he was enormous for me and, and, and sort of the one thing I took away from, from Matt was, you know, he, he used to stay behind training and, and get our property steward to bang balls into his hands when it was, you know, pissing down raining and cold as and everyone wanted to get inside and he was out there working on his hands. So um, you sort of grab little bits and pieces off, off the champions and, and try and implement it in, in your own game. but. Um, there's no coincidence why the, those boys are so good. Well, no wonder Dustin Fletcher was so nice to you because as soon as you arrived, he went to taking the number two banana down back and you seemed to get the big gun each week. Yeah, and that didn't work out too well. I, uh, I wish back in those days we, we had layoff players and that sort of thing. But, um, <clears throat> no, it was, it was a good... Well, it was a learning curve, put it that way, but uh, got thrown in the deep end by Sheeds and, and then, um, yeah, Fletch took the second... the sort of the second best forward and... Um, each week I've, I've got the tough ask of trying to tame a legend. And it was pretty tough from day dot when your Bombers took the field for the round one game in 2004, your debut against Port Adelaide. What do you remember about that night? Uh, uh, yeah, it was, we got thumped. Uh, I think it was about 90, 90 points or something. Um, I only had sort of five or six possessions, I think. But um, Josh Carr punched me in the guts. I just remember that that's, a bit, that's the hardest hit I've ever had. And... and, and sort of hit the deck and didn't want to whinge and bitch too much. I wanted to get up and show that it didn't hurt, but he legitimately cracked me in the guts. But I remember when I got hit there going, wow, that's, yeah, welcome to AFL footy. So I sort of got up and did me bit and played on um, tread row for a little bit towards the back end of that game. But um, obviously, you know, I was, I was reasonably tall and, and, and reasonably gangly and skinny. So um, I probably played before I should have, but, but it was, you know, the experience was, was sensational in front of a packed Port Adelaide um, crowd. Now, they're pretty feral, those Port supporters, at the best of times, but at Footy Park, they found an extra gear, especially beating a team that who had dominated in recent years. Can you remember the crowd specifically and things you could hear that you maybe were a little bit jolted by? Yeah, well, I just remember how loud it was. Yep. Obviously, you know, you come out of a waffle system and there's sort of, you know, two or 3,000 people watching watching you and then you go to, 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 to South Australia and play and there's, there's 40 or 50 Screaming fans and probably, you know, 95% of them are Port Adelaide supporters. So, um, yeah, just still to this day, I remember, you know, the, the, the roar of the crowd and, and sort of every time we got it, they weren't too happy with it. And, <laughs> you know, every time they got it, it was exciting. So, um, yeah, just really intimidating for, for an 18-year-old. What was Sheeds like, especially after a loss? Uh, he was pretty sort of, you know, monotone. Yeah. He, was, he was level, whether you won or lost, he... 
you know, he didn't abuse, like, didn't give it to us. He, he sort of, yeah, kept a level head. And um, I think that's what most sort of good coaches do is um, keep, a, keep a level head because the time you do need to give them a rev up, you don't want to be doing that every, every um, second week because that gets a bit, um, you know, a bit same. But, but every time you, you sort of give them a kick in, kick in the bum, it sort of, um, yeah, gets you fired up. Now, you said at the top you had a few struggles relocating to Melbourne. What made it challenging? Uh, just not having your family and friends and, and, um, and, to, and you know, mates away from, from footy. Um, as I said, I, you know, you, you fly over there and you're with a, a host family, which were, were terrific for me, but, um, you know, you train and then you, you're basically at the footy club and then you, you, you go and do whatever you do outside of footy and it's with your teammates. And I just found it I needed a circuit breaker of, of you know, going... To, you know, be able to have a coffee with a schoolmate or, you know, go home for mum and dad's meal or, or whatever it may be. But it just felt like I was surrounded by footy 24-7. Um, um, and obviously, when you're in Melbourne, it's very hard to get away from footy because um, that's the way it sort of is over there. But, yeah, it's sort of... Um, that's probably what I struggled with. I, I didn't, I didn't um, have too many nights away from, from WA when I was young. Um, and then, yeah, at 18, it was sort of like, no, you, you're moving indefinitely. So... Um, it was just a big shock to the system. Now, you played 49 games for the Bombers. What were some of the highlights? What are some games or some moments you look back on and it puts a smile on your face? Uh, the, the Anzac days were, you know, I never played at a final with, with Essendon, but, you know, the, the whole build-up to, to Anzac Day and and then, you know, the, the parade and that sort of thing before the game and, and everyone's silent and then obviously the, the big cheer when, when, when the ball's bounced. Um, you know, to this day, I sort of still remember it and, you know, gets the hairs on the back of your neck standing up. But, but no, th those sorts of games where, you know, even the Essendon-Carlton rivalry and you, you play in those games, um, they, they just get massive crowds and, and um, you know, playing in front of 90,000 people and, you, and you're playing footy, um, albeit I probably ruined one of the Anzac Day games that I played in, trying to cross it, um, face of goals and Tark and Lockyer tapped it down and socketed the goal. That's probably in your notes, mate. But, but um, besides that, because I've wiped that out of my memory, <laughs> those sorts of games with massive crowds was, was what I remember from, you know, in the Essendon um, days. Well, the biggest chat about Anzac Day is going to be when we talk about the 2011 game and what you did there yes. against the Western Bulldogs. Oh. We'll get to that when you get to the Dockers. But just take us back to that 2007 game that you refer to, because as in your words, you turned it over and they scored a goal and it almost felt like that was a bit of a sliding doors moment with you as an Essendon player. Yes, absolutely. No, I, it's funny, I'd never watched the replay until about 10 years ago. I brought it to myself to watch it again and, um, yeah, it sort of wasn't great viewing. But, um, yeah, ever since that sort of moment, um, yeah, it sort of, I, I, I sort of fell away a bit in my own performance. Um, I don't know, I, I think Sheed sort of maybe didn't feel like... Um, probably felt like I was getting an opportunity and wasn't performing. Um, but, yeah, definitely, I, I, I'd agree. Since that sort of day, I, it sort of declined in, in, in terms of getting a game and then obviously performing. Um, you know, my last year at, at Essendon, which I think was 2008 or seven, um, I didn't play too many games and, and, um, and I honestly thought my footy was finished. I, I sort of came through as a confident young lad and, and you know, my first two or three years I was, I was um, you know, pretty confident in my own ability. Um, but then since that sort of day and you make a mistake like that as a young player in front of so many people and then in the paper it's sort of written about, 
you know, how the, how the day panned out and what I did, but um, it sort of knocks you around a bit as a, as a youngster. Um, and I probably, it took me sort of two or three years to, to find my feet. And thank God Freo, you know, picked me up in the end. I think it was about a year and a half after that um, and took a punt on me and, um, yeah, sort of worked my way back to, to playing, so I suppose, at AFL level again. Now, at Fremantle, you were such a great utility. At the Bombers, do you think you were pigeonholed too early as a defender? And do you think you would have liked more opportunities in other parts of the ground and other key roles which might have seen you produce your best? Yeah, it's, it's a funny one. I, you don't get to... So when I was playing Colts and um, League at um, West Perth, I played on the wing and, um, you know, in the middle, in the wing, half forward flank. Um, and, I, you know, at, at 197 centimetres and um, a skinny young lad, you, you don't sort of, all back in those days, you don't have players my height sort of playing in those positions. And that's, that's probably something that, you know, if I rewind back now, I probably should have been playing at centre half forward or centre half back. Uh, but, I, but, but sort of I could get the footy and... and, and you know, get, get quite a few possessions and that sort of thing. But I did get thrown down at centre-half back. I hadn't played there, played there a hell of a lot. Um, and there was a hell of a lot of good centre-half forwards. Um, it was the golden era. It was the golden yeah. era of centre-half forwards. If you look forward, and I've heard you make this point before, Mike Sheen did his top 50, and you played on seven of the ten that year. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mentioned a few before, but um, I, I remember going... Yeah, I think it was 2004 or five. Um, it sort of went Tread Ray, Jonathan Brown, Matthew Richardson, Jonathan, uh, uh, Matthew Pavlich, um, and, and it just kept going. And, that, and they were in the you know, top, I think there was five in the top 10 players of, of Mike Sheehan's top 50 at centre forwards. Um, Nick Rewalt. Um, so the, it's sort of week after week, you, you, um, you, you're playing on these absolute superstars. And I was sort of thinking to myself, you know, a year or 18 months ago, I was playing on a wing. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm trying to mix it with these guys. But, um, like, I, I, I don't sit here going, I wish that I had been thrown in a different position. I, I got an opportunity to play at a great club, you know, and play a role. And, um, and I just, I can walk away going, you know, I, I sort of played on some absolute champions. Um, probably got the, my ass handed to me more times than not. But the way they went about it and, and you know, the different attributes that they had just just made them superstars and 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 you're right like that was just an era where we just you know every team had a really a grade you know center forward or full forward and as you said it was one-on-one footy i was your opponent you were mine so if you're up against these guys there's no help there's no zone defense there's no someone coming to help you out if you're in trouble which we now see which makes life a lot easier for those defenders yeah yeah i was certainly thrown to the wolves i would have liked to um (laughs) dustin fletcher to come over (laughs) (laughs) he was looking after his bloke but but yeah it was sort of a little bit more one-on-one and and yeah no excuses i just i just got beaten and 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 um you know, it's funny, on the front bar, Matthew Richardson got asked, who, who's, you know, who'd you kick the most goals against? And it, it was me. But he was actually a gentleman that night. He, he kicked nine goals straight. But I remember when he kicked his ninth and sort of had my hands on my knees going, I just want this to end. And he, he sort of said, oh, don't worry about it, mate. You're only young. Um, head up sort of thing. But he actually genuinely meant it. Yeah, so he, he wasn't sledging yet. He, he knew that I was I had the tail between the legs. But th- he, that's just another sort of champion that I got to play on. And yeah. Um, I suppose what I learnt, you know, playing on those guys sort of helped me in the back end of um, my Freo career. Absolutely. Now, at the end of 2007, the Bombers don't offer you another contract. You said you thought your footy career was over. How hard was that that almost as soon as it began, it looked like it was being torn away? 
Yeah, yeah, it sort of, um, it happened really, really quickly. Um, you know, I sort of, I had my first year I played five games and then um, season two and three, I think I played sort of 18 and 19 um, in those two and then barely played my last and it was it was sort of over. So um, it's funny, you, you, you sort of grow up wanting to be the an AFL footy player and then you're in the system and then it's amazing how fast you can get spat out. So um, when, when that sort of happened though, it was a, it was a massive wake up call for me in terms of I had to get my sort of self, you know, sorted out in terms of, you know, I need to eat well and um, do me weights and, and get fit and, and give myself the best opportunity for another crack. Um, so I, I needed a big kick up the kick up the bum when that when that sort of happened because I did lose me way in the last in that last season at Essendon and and um, as I said, lucky enough to to play some okay VFL footy and and then Frio managed to draft me again. So now, did you know you were going to go back to Fremantle that night the draft was on? Did they give you any indication <laughs> they were going to take you? <laughs> they did, they did, but they um, so they they had pick forty and fifty. 50 odd and then 69 and I got I got told I was basically getting pick pick 40 um, and then so I, yeah roll, rolled up to the to the draft and I'm watching it and I, I get this message saying we're not going to pick your pick 40 we're going to pick your pick 69 I'm going oh I'm not going to go here <laughs> but then I managed to go pick 69 and um, I think they picked Chris May and Mark Johnson who I played footy with and then um, their last pick pick 69 I managed to managed to scrape in and I was the last pick that, that um, draft and yeah, managed to get to Freya. So you were drafted twice, how different was the experience going pick six initially, then pick 69 but back to Freya? Uh, it, it was good, a little bit embarrassing because you go with pick six and then you, you lose 63 spots. <laughs> but it's just when my name did get called out, I, and you know it was a it was a Perth-based club. I, I was I was wrapped. So all I wanted to do, you know, in my last year at Essendon was get back to Freo and. Um, you know, my player manager who, who helped enormously get me there and... and um, who was that? Uh, Colin Young. Yep. Um, I was with him for, for the, the 11 years, but, but um, the work he was doing behind the scenes to, to get me there and um, eventually when my name got called out, it was, um, yeah, it was sort of knuckle down and, and try and get, I suppose, the supporters back on, back on the bandwagon, I suppose. It, it, it um, sort of took it out of me, the Essendon experience. So, it would, yeah, it's sort of all I wanted to do was repay Frio and... And you know, like um, get the supporters back on my side. Now, looking back at your first game for Fremantle, you could make a case it was probably the second best game you ever played at AFL level. Twenty-one disposals, a goal, one of the best players on the field. How satisfying was that? Yeah, yeah, it was very satisfying. I, I, um, I had a really good pre-season. I, I sort of wanted to, you know, obviously impress halves and everyone at Freo and my new teammates, and and we actually went to South Africa and. I got knocked out by um, Sean Hampson, who, who sort of came through with a bump, all, all fair, but knocked me clean out. And, um, and then I came back a week after and, and sort of got knocked out again. Then I missed a month. And so I had a slower start to the season that year. And I think it was round eight or nine. I, I sort of made my debut for, for Frio. And, and, and yeah, it was refreshing for me because I, I sort of been at St. Half back for four years. and. And I got picked as, as sort of you know pinch hit ruckman and and and, and um, played in the forward line, so that that sort of suited me. But to get out there and 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 sort of get a few kicks and get amongst it and and um, 
yeah, really enjoyed my first game was, was, was outstanding. And you could tell that you were growing in confidence and the fans were growing in confidence with what you could do. Yeah, well, as I said, I reckon when I, when I, when I got to Freo, I was a 22-year-old, I reckon I was. There's probably a few fans that were disappointed and sort of asking Freo, what, what, the, what are you doing picking this bloke up? So um, I sort of felt that and, and, and wanted to change what people thought of me, sort of, you know, and my teammates and, and, and supporters and everything. So, um, yeah, I, as I said, I sort of spent a bit of time trying to change everyone's, you know, mindset and attitude towards the way I play footy and um, trying to get everyone sort of barracking for me, not sort of booing me. So, um, yeah, it was it was good to sort of contribute, I suppose, and, and, and win a few fans over. You certainly did that. One thing that I couldn't believe when I read on your career, though, is that you played 11 years in the system, your first contract was three years, then every other year was a year-to-year contract. So you were basically playing for your career each and every time you stepped out on the field. Correct. Now, <laughs> is that good because you're always motivated, you've got to be on top, or is that you, you feel like you'd love a arm around your shoulder and a bit of a hug and say, you're here for three years, we believe in you. Yeah, oh, and oh, you don't go bald like that when you're 37 if, you, if, you, you know, <laughs> if you're getting five-year deals. But um, I, I was sort of played better footy on the edge. I don't think it was by design, though, that I'd get one-year contracts because obviously quite stressful. But I, I sort of knew every time I went on the, on the field it could be my last. And, you know, I sort of knew every time I signed a contract it could be my last. So... Um, I, so, I suppose that's probably there's a little bit in that in the way I played. I mean, I was I was you know I, I, I tried my absolute guts out every time I I got a game, and yeah, I probably wasn't the greatest kick and wasn't the greatest athlete and, and that sort of thing. But um, I, I think I tried bloody hard, and that's what Ross said to me one day was I tried bloody hard. So um, I reckon that sort of held me in, in good stead and, and probably kept me in the game, I suppose, for, for as long as it was. Tell us about Ross compared to Sheets. Uh, Sheeds was more laid back um, and had had a lot of great players that sort of was able to do not what they wanted to do, but he, he let them he let their sort of attribute shine. Um, and Ross was more of a you know you you, you got to stand here and more more strategic um, coach. Um, in saying that, I, I I think Ross is 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 you know the best coach I've I've been in, involved in. Um, yeah, just real refreshing. The, 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 his game plan and the way he taught the game plan to all the youngsters and myself um, was a real eye-opener and, and obviously took us to a, a grand final. But, um, yeah, the way he sees the game and the way he, he sort of reviews it and, and, and passes, uh, you know, the information on, um, yeah, I found outstanding. He's bloody hard, don't get me wrong, and he'll tell you when you've played a bad game or had a bad moment, but he'll also pat you on the back when you've had a good good game and a good moment. So um, I really appreciated that with, with, with Ross. He was, he was um, super for me. Can you think of a time where he pointed something out you did well or that he was very impressed with that you might not have even realised you did? Um, oh, there was, a, there was a game against Geelong where it was as simple as I was just going back with a flight. There was about two minutes to go, um, we're at Subi Oval um, and a ball got kicked up and I, I went back with a flight. I didn't mark it or anything, but I just sort of made a contest um, and we ended up winning by five points. Um, 
any any sort of that that sort of stuff was what kept you in the game. It, it wasn't necessarily having you know thirty and three, although that that would help. But <laughs> yeah, it was sort of that stuff off the ball where you know you're blocking for your teammate and and um, you know you're back with the flight and you bring the ball to ground and you you're playing your role. That 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 was sort of when you knew you were going to get a game. Um, if you came off the ground, if you came off the ground and you knew you had a shocker, both playing your role and, and not getting the ball, you knew you're in trouble. But if you if you sort out of a shocker and didn't have a lot of the footy, but you played your role, you, you sort of knew you were going to play it. You know, the, the week after. So um, yeah, he 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 was, you know, it was pretty dr- cut cut and dry. You, you knew where you stood, and when you came off the ground, win, lose or draw, you, I, I sort of knew right. I'm not going to play next week. Yeah, okay. Which. Yeah, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but <laughs> that, that's sort of the way that, that, that he was coaching at the time. The flip side, can you think of a time where you did or didn't do something that sort of got him upset? Yeah, I, I, um, I had a day where we played GWS um, and uh, I, I'd kicked four or five points in a row and the, and the crowd was sort of, you know, aware of it. So every time I went near the ball, they were, they, they were going berserk and, and we were winning by, by a lot. Um, and it was about five minutes to go in the game and I got told to come off and the ball was sort of getting transferred on the wing and coming down to the forward line and I sort of thought it might be a bit of kept time here and I might be able to take a mark. <laughs> anyway, the ball got kicked in and I managed to take a mark. Um, and Matt DeBoer was actually in the goal square by himself, but I thought, sort of thought, no, I won't do that. I've kicked five points. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and, and snag this one. Anyway, I've, I've, I snagged the, the goal and the crowd sort of erupted because they'd been on me back all day. And I, I sort of said, yeah, 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 I've, I've had a shocker in front of goal. And um, yeah, came off the ground and got handed the phone. I thought, oh, sh- this is going to be pretty good. So I've, um, yeah, sort of answered it. And why didn't you come off the ground, mate? I said, oh, um, the ball was getting tr- yeah, transferred and coming. No, no, no. Why didn't you come off the ground, mate? You need to come off the ground when I tell you to come off the ground. The crowd doesn't pick the team. You got it and slammed the phone down. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to play next week. But I ended up playing the following week. But just stuff like that where, you know, that was a bit selfish by me, not coming off the ground and um, that sort of thing. But, but yeah, it's sort of, it, that, that's, yeah, he's very sort of, when you're coming off the ground, you, you need to come off the ground. There's no, there's no kept time, so... Get off the ground. I think we need a bit more kept time. We well, need to make a YouTube highlight of it. kept time, and we'll have plenty of them in what I was about to ask you about. Because when I said we were going to mention Anzac Day, your face dropped. You thought I was going to talk about 2007. No, 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 not here, not on this show. We're talking 2011. Four goals, three brown low votes, and you led the Dockers to an amazing come from behind victory over the Western Bulldogs in what a lot of people who were at that ground said they're the loudest they've ever heard a Dockers crowd. Yeah, it was um, Friday night, I believe it is. Yeah, I, I, I did go okay that that game. It's um, no room for modesty here. Yeah, <laughs> no. I, I, and if you look at all my goals, they're not power forward, big, strong, contested marks. It's more sort of I made it harder than it needed to be, and, and managed to snag a few goals. But um, yeah, I mean we were going okay at the time, and and, and it was really, really good for from my point of view to contribute on a on a day like that. And. You know, even being Anzac, you know, a few years earlier, I probably didn't have the greatest moment, but then to be able to kick four and, and help out in the ruck and, and get a few, you know, a few possessions, it was um, good to contribute on a on a day like that. Was that your favourite ever game of AFL footy looking back? Uh, yeah, but I, yeah, one of them. Yeah, yeah, there was another game against North where it basically got me another contract, which which that could have been the end of me time three or four years earlier than what it, what it could have been, but... 
Um, yeah, any any time your team has a win and you contribute, but the, you, you're right. The, the crowd that day was well that night was was phenomenal, um, and I think it was the first night that Frio and Bulldogs actually got to play on 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 that day. So um, it was a pretty special time to to, to play OK, I suppose. Where were you watching the Brownlow? And it said three votes. I don't, I don't know if I was, but... Uh, <laughs> you yeah, might have had a couple of jars in somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, it didn't make that much of an impression on you. You're probably overseas or something. No, no, well, I'm not much of a traveller. I'll probably be on the golf course or something like that. But, <laughs> um, yeah, didn't get too many Brownlow votes, but managed to snag a few that night. Now, we've pumped you up. I want to hear about a time when you got yourself in a bit of strife, potentially when the training wasn't where it was supposed to be and you found yourself doing some solo training. Yeah, yeah. So um, I organised my mate's... Bucks party in, in, I think it was December, um, and we had a family fun day at, at, at Frio on a, on a Saturday, and I asked if I um, could go to my mate's Bucks party because I organised it, um, which was sort of frowned upon, but okay, you can go as long as you don't have a beer, so... Right, and what was, were the odds at the time of that happening? Oh, I was always going to have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Bucks party. <laughs> um, but anyway, we played, a, we played a game of cricket, um, and I had a few beers, and... I severely rolled my ankle, and the funny part of that is I didn't roll the ankle in the outfield or batting or anything like that. Um, I rolled my ankle celebrating when we got a wicket. Um, but I heard a bit of a crack and knew it wasn't wasn't great. Um, so sort of rang up the physio Saturday afternoon and, and um, slurring my words, going, "Can I can I get the the game ready, which is the ice compression thing, and um, sort of ice it up." Um, over the weekend, and then Monday got called into the office, and um, and yeah, basically got told that I wasn't up to AFL standard and had to train by myself. So um, we, we were training away from the footy club at McGilvray Oval. It's basically got two ovals, um, and um, yeah, I we, we had a team meeting on the Monday, and then um, I sort of went down and said, right, what am I doing? And the coaches sort of pointed over to the other over and said, you're over there, mate, you're not, you're not with us. And I was like, oh, right And then I went over to the um, fitness staff and sort of said, right what's my, what's my program? What do I need to do? And I got thrown a GPS and they said, you can sit under a tree if you like. We don't care, you're not up to AFL standard. So that's when I sort of went, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly. We're not angry, we're disappointed. Correct. So I think I spent sort of three or four weeks, um, you know, and then, then there was our Christmas break in that, but um, every time we had a sort of a main training session, I was on a different oval and I basically just ran for an hour and, hour and a half um, pretty solidly and because uh, I knew I was on the, a knife's edge again for, you know, being around for, for the year or two after that, but... Um, yeah, sort of ran around, ran around, and, and they gave me some targets to hit skin folds and, and um, 3K time trial, which which were difficult to get. Um, you know, I was sort of ran a 3K at about 11.15, and I needed to get under 10.45, which if you had a, told me that, asked me then, I would have went, that's impossible. But I think in January, somewhere in January, I've, I've, I've said, right, I'll, I'll have a crack at the 3K, and I've got like 10.40 or something, which... I've never been that fit in my life. Obviously, had to do it, um, and my skin folds dropped dramatically. And and then I ended up sort of um, starting round one, so I worked my way back into the good books. <laughs> um, and then I ended up equaling um, Chris Main as a leading goal kicker that year. So yeah, it was sort of again a big kick up the bum when they sort of said, "We're not giving you a program. You're not up to AFL standard." You sort of go, "Wow, that's I've got to pull my head in here and, and start." 
start pulling my weight. And clearly it worked, because as you said, you did so well and you worked your ass off. What was Ross like when you came back into the fold? Uh, no, terrific. I mean, it happened at Sansan as well, so um, it, um, it, it, yeah, it's sort of, once, once you sort of work your way in and, 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 and you're in and amongst the team, when, when you're taking the piss, I think, that's when coaches sort of, you know, don't, don't sort of, you know, agree or, or want to work with you. But if, you, if you're having good behaviours and you work your way in, I mean, yeah, once, you, once you're in, you're in. So, yeah, I played sort of um, 15 or 16 games that year and, and, and went OK, so, yeah. Well, you're top of the goalkeeper. I think that's more than OK. Now, you're going along beautifully for Fremantle. In game 68, though, unfortunately, you suffer a knee injury that basically ends your career. Walk us through that day and can you remember that night thinking, this is not good at all? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, I, I, it's funny, sort of, the, the week before we went to Launceston, we got thumped um, and I've, I've kicked three goals and, you know, individually I sort of thought, I started the year all right and I sort of thought, you know, it's, it's, it's um, you know, another contract, it, it, it would, would be good and sort of behind the scenes it was sort of starting to take shape um, and then the following week on the Friday night, you, you, you know, you go... Mind you, I was trying to kick a goal from 40 when I probably should have been centering it and kicked um, Dylan Grimes. But when I when I sort of um, kicked the ball and then he jumped over my leg, I heard three cracks. I actually thought I broke my leg, but um, I hit the deck and it was all sort of warm and, and the physio came out and I sort of said, oh, I, I think I've snapped my leg. And the physio's like, no, you haven't snapped your leg, mate. It, it, um, it's your knee. So when he said that, I sort of just thought, oh, that's not ideal for a bloke in my position who doesn't have a contract. And um, that's exactly what I was thinking on the ground at Subi Oval was how, how am I going to, what am I going to do now? How am I going to, you know, get another contract? Um, and the pain and that, that, that wasn't, but I was getting upset about that and, and sort of got off the ground. But uh, again, this is sort of what Ross Lyon does. He, during the second quarter, I've just come off the ground. I reckon he knew what I was feeling and, and sort of walked down to the bench and said, how are you? And I, said, I think I sort of said, look, my knee's, my knee's no good. Um, and he said, don't worry about it, you'll be with us next year. And then walked back up and, and then I sort of thought, wow, look, that's pretty impressive for, for a coach to do that. Um, and then, yeah, it, you know, at the end of the year, I, I had to wait and do rehab and do it the right way. But, but yeah, I managed to, to um, sign another contract. I, I, I didn't end up playing. I had um, hamstring issues after that, but... Yeah, for a coach to sort of come down to me that, you know, I was fighting for my footy life every every game, every year, and for him to come and say that that early on, he obviously knew what I was feeling, and, yeah, I can't thank him enough. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? It's almost like all your hard work was rewarded with that extra year as well. I'm not saying your footy didn't deserve it, but the fact that you didn't play validates what a great gesture that was. Absolutely. Yeah, he didn't, didn't have to do that. He could have just sat in the box and kept yeah. coaching that... Which probably majority of other coaches would have done, but he obviously, for whatever reason, sort of knew what I was feeling and came down and and sort of said what he did. Um, yeah, and you know when he said that, and I did my rehab to the best I could, and I honestly wanted to play the following year um, just to repay him yep. back for, for for getting me on on the list again. But I just couldn't, for whatever reason, get my hamstring right and my knee wasn't wasn't perfect, and it's still not to this day. But but. Um, yeah, sort of those are the things where, you know, you hear a lot about Ross being hard and all those, those sorts of things, but I think people need to hear more stories about those things that, um, 
you know, you do the right thing, you do the hard yards, and, you know, he, he does have a soft spot and he will look after you. So, yeah, I can't thank him enough. Now, the Fremantle Dockers, that was their most successful year in club history, 2013. They went on to make the grand final while you were sidelined with that knee injury. Was it mixed emotions watching the Dockers do so brilliantly but not being able to participate? Yeah, I mean, you always want to be want to be playing. Um, but I was just wrapped for, for guys that I've built strong relationships with, like Hayden Ballantyne, Aaron Sandlands, you know, guys like that, that that have been at the footy club for a while and... You just want to see the boys, you know, get reward for it. So, um, yeah, it was sort of, for me, not being able to play in it, you know, I, I was sort of spewing about that. But um, you want the boys to win and, and give it a, a red-hot crack. But um, it wasn't to be on that day, but the, the boys gave it a good good shake. But um, would have been good to be a part of. How were you on game day, grand final day, watching the Dockers? Admittedly, blow a lot of chances, and I reckon you could have been pretty handy up for it that day too. Yeah, it was it was funny. Like um, Hawthorne sort of ran out. Um, I was sitting in the grandstand, and, and Hawthorne sort of ran out, and it was almost like you could see that they'd been there and done that. And yep. you know, they just ran through the banner and did their thing, and, and then our boys ran out, and their sort of heads are sort of looking around at the crowd and that. And I was, I was sort of like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know about about where our mindsets at, but um, you know, at the start we. Yeah, we got our fair share of chances. We just couldn't kick straight. And then, you know, Hawthorne got on top of us there for a while, but then we wrestled it back and, you know, probably 10 minutes to go in the game, it could have gone could have gone either way. But, um, yeah, it was sort of a few probably early chances that if, if we had a nailed an early goal, it might have been a different story. But um, all in all, it was, it, was a, it was a good game. It's just, you know, Freo got to get there again, don't they? They do indeed, and I'm not sure when that will be, but it'll be massive for the club when they do get there. You had a lot of success at Fremantle. You had a lot of success overall as a sportsman. A little quirky one, 2005, you played for the Aussies in the international rules. Tell us about how that came about and what were some of the positives off the field with that? Yeah, well, I didn't, certainly didn't get picked in the team to start. Um, I, I was, you know, I had an OK year. Sheeds was the coach, but... Um, yeah, I was just in Perth and, and they played over here um, their first game and um, Matthew Lloyd actually pulled out with, with an injury or whatever whatever happened and then Sheeds rang me one day and sort of said, oh, what are you, what are you up to? And I said, oh, not a lot, just just in Perth. And he said, oh, do you want to play against Ireland this week? And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, oh, we've got a, we got a training camp, camp down in Bunbury if you want to come for a scratch match. And if you go, OK, I'll, I'll play a Friday night against, um, against the Irish. Um, so I was like, well, yeah, bloody oath, I'll be down there in a, in a heartbeat. So, yeah, just we went down there at a training session. We played, a, 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 I suppose, an intra-club game and, um, and went OK. And then, yeah, got, got to play on Friday night in front of, yeah, the Suvi, you know, home crowd and... Um, we, we, we smashed them that day. I, it was the biggest win we ever had over them, but I, I don't know, you know, of, of late if, if, if that's still the record, but we, we certainly beat them by a lot. Um, but, yeah, just to be thrown into that, you know, in the deep end and, and then getting a game and, um, yeah, it was, was, was phenomenal. How'd you go with the round ball? I actually kicked it OK. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't float a round ball, so I was actually <laughs> nailing it, but... Um, yeah, obviously, you know, kicking it around your body when you're going for goals and stuff like that was, you know, within three or four days I had to adapt to, to that. But um, a lot of fun. I mean, they, they, you know, the Irish play with that much speed and, and, and um, yeah, it's non-stop. Um, that's probably the one thing I've walked away going, that, that game is flat out. Yeah. Um, so, 
yeah, it was it was good fun. We managed to have a really good win. Um, but but yeah, it was good. It was good sort of tackling the Irish too because they they weren't as strong as us. So you could sort of <laughs> slam them into the ground a bit harder. But um, yeah, no, it was a good experience and and um, can't thank Sheeds enough for for giving me the opportunity. Yeah. In footy through the 70s, 80s and 90s, players that play on each other, then go have a beer, go hard on the field, get to know each other off the field. That's sort of almost gone from the game now. So was it a good opportunity as well to meet some of these players off the field in a social setting, have a beer with them and say, geez, he's not a bad bloke? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And they're, you know, they're all very good players, the players that were playing that night. But, um, yeah, it was it was a good setting to, to sort of... You know, have a beer with with Andrew McLeod and Gilby and guys like this that you you know you, you, you sort of play against them and and that sort of thing and then to be able to play with them and then have a beer after um, was 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 fantastic. So um, yeah, I mean I, I I hold that sort of memory in my mind as you know in high regard. Was there a player that was different to the, what you anticipated? Um, oh, it's probably Chris Johnson. Um, that's the the second game he, he sort of went berserk and, <laughs> and knocked a few Irish around at it, uh, Telstra Dome back in the day, that's what they called it. But, um, yeah, I, knew, I sort of knew he was a tough, hard player, but that night, for whatever reason, he, he um, exploded, um, which I still remember to this day. He, yeah, they must have really, uh, really um, got under his skin, but... No, that was probably the one thing that stood out for me. It was like going, holy moly, even I was scared and I was on his team. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Don't upset him. Now, you were great on the footy field, but I reckon you were even better come Mad Monday. Was that where you did your best work? I was solid Mad Monday, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have signed, you know, 10 one-year deals if, if it was based off Mad Mondays. <laughs> um, I, I really, you know, I really enjoyed having a beer you know, when I was playing footy and really enjoyed the off-season. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, when the season's finished and you, you get to relax with, with the boys for, for a few days and, and have a few beers and, and have a bit of fun, um, you know, you try and bring the fun into it when you can and obviously that's a few days where you, where you can have a bit of fun with your teammates. So, um, yeah, I was certainly pushing, pushing players to um, have a beer with me. <laughs> and it also brought out the most creative side in you too. Walk us through the time when a bouncer potentially thought you'd had enough on this Mad Monday, but you thought that wasn't the case. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was actually a waffle Mad Monday. He, he, I sort of we got there early and, and we're having a few beers and and I had some some hair back then, believe it or not. And um, yeah, he, he sort of said you've you've had enough to to drink, mate. It was sort of one one o'clock in the arvo, and I sort of said, oh, it's a Mad Monday. It was a silly Sunday, actually. It's a silly Sunday. Can I? Stay around. He's like, no, no, no. You, you got to hop out. So, I only lived uh, 100 metres from the pub. So, yeah, went home, had a shower, changed, changed my gear, shaved my head. <laughs> um, yeah, sort of walked back up. Half an hour, 45 minutes later, straight back past him. So he was at the door, just straight back past him. Sort of had another one or two beers, and then you know, 45. An hour later, he's tapped me on the shoulder and said, "They've already kicked you out." I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Mate, you gotta, you gotta make your way out again." So the boys erupted and that sort of thing. But wake up in the morning, going, "I've just shaved my head." Um, but yeah, it's sort of, you know, my, my mates still have a giggle about it now. That's going to be hard to beat for one of the best Mad Monday stories I've ever heard. <laughs> well, he was actually impressed. So <laughs> he didn't manhandle me down the stairs or anything. He actually had a smile and went right over. Well, mate, you gotta, you gotta shoot off again. So. 
Yeah, I made it till about three o'clock that day and then I sort of went home. Can you think of one or two other Mad Mondays where you absolutely loved? Um, oh, all of them are pretty good. No, I just, as I said, I, I yeah, I, all, all, you, you, back then you sort of, you have sort of three or four or five months where you, you're technically not allowed to do a heap and you certainly can't get too intoxicated and, and then, you know, when that final siren goes, whether or not you haven't made the finals or, or you've made finals and you've been knocked out, um, it's just a great opportunity to have a beer with your mates mm. and, and, you know, just sort of let the shackles off a bit and, and, um, and have a bit of fun. So, yeah, I, I certainly look forward to, to those moments, you know, when I was playing footy. Um, yeah, still do. Got it. <laughs> We've loved having a chat. Well done on everything you achieved and best of luck with your footy going forward. Kepler Bradley. No worries. Cheers. Thanks for having me. Hey lads, a guy in the community reckons we take the overs. Do we trust him? Well, his username is Big Stats Guy. Say no more. Connect with a community of like-minded punters only in Labrox communities. T's and C's apply and available on website. What are you really gambling with?